0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.
1: Third down and five from the six. Damon Bullock now. And set back. Here is Rudolph. Quick drop, he will throw. It's caught by Hamilton. Near the first down marker, near the goal line. No signal. Touchdown, Iowa. Second touchdown reception today from Ray Hamilton, the senior from Strongsville, Ohio. And the Hawkeyes with a very impressive drive. Mainly on the ground, a few key plays in the air, but an impressive scoring drive for the Hawkeyes, who upped their lead. Hello
0: everyone, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our weekly Reporters Notebook podcast, this week featuring Scott Docterman, who looks back at the Hawks' road win over Illinois, previews the Wisconsin game, and talks Big Ten. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Wisconsin's Gary Anderson. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, And KGYM's Tyler Chumeland. The Iowa Illinois game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Corey Provis and Jay Lehman. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefense Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefense. <laughs> Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about all of the focus on Wisconsin's offense may in fact be overshadowing how good the Badgers' defense is.
2: It, it is, and I think um, it's interesting, you know, I mean, you go back historically, especially in pro football, the Redskins, uh, 49ers, teams that you think about offense, and they always had good defenses playing behind them, and that's same thing with Wisconsin. It's hard not to talk about the running attack just because it's, it's so stellar, but I think the amazing thing is a year ago they made that transformation to a whole different scheme, the 34 scheme, and played at a really high level and then even more amazing than that basically lost their a lot of their front seven guys, uh, although a lot of the guys that are playing now played last year. They, they play their players pretty liberally, but they're veteran in the back end but uh, you know, all that being said, they're playing at a higher rate statistically, so it's it's really impressive. They embrace what they're doing obviously when the, the change took place the new staff uh, did a great job of selling their scheme and the players are playing at a really high level and you know, we witnessed that last year at the. Their best guy not on the field. Borland didn't play. They didn't miss a beat, and that's kind of what you've seen this year as well. They're, they're statistically better than they were a year ago. Challenges try to get a manageable third downs, and, and we didn't do a good job last year. But um, they, they really do a good job at the run, run attack. They, you know, right around 100 yards. I guess they're under 100 this year, and just slightly over it last year. But they're uh, they make it tough for you to run the football. And if they can get you in predictable third downs, they do a good job there too.
0: Terrence talks about Wisconsin's Melvin Gordon.
2: Yeah, they, they, they've had such a long list, and uh, going back to when I wasn't here, but in the '90s watching. That. Uh, they had a good back sent too. And it's just, you know, he's, he's got phenomenal, a phenomenal skill set. You can just see on film he's got personality. He's, he's a really uh, enthusiastic, uh, energetic player and a uh, very strong-willed. So it's, he's got all those extra And he's been able to stay healthy, too, which is thats no easy trick for a running back sometimes and combine all that. But, but you know, all that being said, to, to, to see someone do what he did last, obviously it hasn't happened. But, but the, the class that he entered, you know, it's a pretty small class. So those guys could fit in a small car. The car I had in college, they'd all fit in there. It's just... It's pretty elite group. Kirk
0: was asked his assessment of how Barry Alvarez developed the Wisconsin program to its consistent level of success.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm old enough to remember what it was like going up there in 89. Yeah, it was just not not a very good environment, quite frankly, uh, for the home team. It was a great one for the visitors. And he, he uh, went there the year after. and It didn't happen overnight, certainly. And they've had their ups and downs like most people. But uh, uh, they went in there with a plan and uh, you know, Barry had hired a great staff. They had a plan, a vision, and... and uh, you know have stuck with it you know there's changes and tweaks as you go along but the, the bottom line is i think they've had good coaches uh, and i say coaches not just head coaches but good staffs there a lot, a lot of really good coaches have coached there and certainly have had good players and they've had a lot of good stories as well you know a lot of guys that walked on there in you know, the safety that picked us off enough for and still playing i think you know um, they've had a lot of good players and good stories and they just play hard hard hard-nosed football? You know, to me, they had a vision, and they, they've stuck, stayed true to it for the most part. You know, they've, they've tweaked things. I'm not suggesting, you know, they'll, they'll play to their strengths, but I've you know, had first-round receivers up there that when they had them, they, they threw that ball at those guys pretty frequently. So, the, you know, the, the parts may change a little bit and all that, and it's kind of like the defense. The defense has changed, but the, the, the results are the same, and the characteristics that made them good have been pretty consistent, and I think that's, that's again, having a belief. And then when you, when you do experience some things that maybe aren't what you had hoped, for. You know, you don't just uh, sell the farm and, and uh, go buy another one. I mean, they kind of stay with what they do and, you know, work through their uh, their ups and downs.
0: And Kirk talks about how special Iowa's rivalry is with Wisconsin and the level of respect the two programs have for each other.
2: Yeah, I think we're built a little bit alike. And, and um, you know, I worked with Barry Alvarez for he's the first guy I met when I came here to interview in 1981. He picked me up at the airport. You know, obviously, Brett was on our staff, and uh, I don't want to pretend to know Gary well, but I've got a tremendous amount of respect for him. And you know, you put the Utah State film on, and you know, you can tell those guys are really—they've got—they got a good staff. So we kind of knew what was going there, and yeah, so it's yeah, I think it's a, there, there's a lot of respect. I, I can assure you from our end to, towards them. I mean, you look at what they do, and our states are a lot alike too. I think in probably some ways. So even their pro team, they got a pro team. We don't, but it's you drive to the stadium, you come out of a neighborhood, and there it is. Instead of being like in a metropolitan area, so. It's, it's almost a Big Tenish protein, so it's you know, it's kind of neat.
0: Next, we hear from Wisconsin head coach Gary Anderson, who provides his overall assessment of this year's Iowa team.
3: Iowa is uh, you know, its always a challenge to go. have been there once, but uh, it's a challenge to go there and play. Very good crowd. I'm sure it'll be a packed house as it is each and every week, much like you see in, in the Big Ten. But its uh, we're excited to go down and play. It's obviously a game that is late in the year. It has a lot of meaning. We'll get on the bus and move on over to the game. And both teams are playing for a lot at this time of the year. So really, at the end of the day, what more could you ask for? They're Powerful run game uh, they haven't changed especially the last couple of weeks as far as what they want to be and I think where they are at their best is being a physical power football team uh, running the ball with a big offensive line with a ton of experience good tight ends two or three tailbacks rolling and out of there. receivers caught my eye this year I think they can catch the ball down the field and the games where they've played very well they really have caught the ball down the field well with both quarterbacks throwing it to them and defensively you know kind of more of the same Big, tough kids um, in the front seven. Those tackles are as good as we'll play, and said that last week, but they're as good as we'll play again. They're uh, very, very talented players, physical, tough-minded, and the defense is coached very well, so it'll be a tremendous challenge.
0: Anderson was asked what makes his star running back, Melvin Gordon, even more productive this year than before.
3: Melvin, this year, just if I just off, I haven't gone back and studied his tape from a year ago, And but it just seems to me that his angles are phenomenal. They were very good last year but his ability to maybe it's pre-snap a little bit I don't know but his ability to get up to the next level and then make the cuts initially to get onto the one defender without another defender having an angle coming from another side is uh you know something that uh, I know I could never do anything like that that's for sure but he, he's much better at that number two I would say his power where uh he's really got his his eyes over his toes when he puts the ball in his hand in traffic and his ability to to see the holes has always been tremendous you know the arm tackles uh he's breaking many more at many more of those at the line of scrimmage and quite frankly the, the head up tackles that he's dealing with in those situations you see a lot of guys bouncing off of him in the holes that are sometimes squared up on him and um, I didn't see as much of that a year ago so I think it's a combination of a lot of things but a combination of one thing after it's all said and done his hard work to get his himself in you know tremendous shape like he always was but I think he's a notch above where he was before.
0: Anderson talks about his quarterback rotation of Joel Stave and Tanner McAvoy and the problems that. Poses for opposing defenses,
3: it's important. It really truly is. And I think now that we all can kind of see what's taking place on the field a little bit, it's uh, it's obvious we have two highly competitive kids that have huge hair care factor, have the ability at times to, you know, take a step back and think about their team rather than just think about themselves. But now we have the dynamic because, you know, you just talk about practice. I'm sure Nebraska went through it and all the teams that we've played. And I'm sure Iowa's going to go through it too. They have to spend a lot of time practicing the spread. And if we can just eat up 50. Fifteen or twenty minutes a day of practice, that they would like to use working on thirteen personnel, twenty-one personnel, the power, all the stuff that has to deal with you know our normal offense, and then the play-action shots plus the play actions. You, you you can't get it all practiced the way that you want to be able to practice it. So that's the positive for us as a whole, as an offense, and as a football program. But for those kids, I'm just excited for their success. It's uh, it does you good. It puts a smile on your face when you see Joel go out there and, and do what he did in this last game and the games prior to this. And I know we didn't throw the ball a lot last game but again we didn't really need to when his opportunity to affect the game is always important in the way he checks the ball and the way he did throw the ball the one throw kind of got us going offensively it's a third down it's converted I think we scored the next player within two plays after that which was huge he got out of the way he took a big shot again Joel Stave can stand in there and take a shot with any of them in the back in the in the uh, from those big defensive linemen or linebackers whoever it may be and this last game i ended up taking a timeout because I, could, I couldn't tell if he caught his breath or if he was hurt or had lost his breath or where he was and he comes over and says, I'm I'm all right, shakes it off and and moves onward. And then Tanner, for him to be able to affect the game in a positive way, uh, for him it's great to see him have some success moving to the quarterback position this year.
0: Anderson explains the keys to the success of his defensive scheme this year.
3: The big thing is is that Vince Beagle has the ability to play and get his hand on the ground when he needs to. It's not every snap, it's just uh, every once in a while. This last game we actually had to do that a couple times with Joe and Joe hung in there and did a good job. I don't feel good about doing that snap in and snap out out nor with Dave, but I do with Vince. I feel like he could go in there and as long as we put him in a in a productive situation with the tackle, I think he can hang in there and, and do a nice job. So that that's one key piece to the puzzle where it's it is an outside linebacker, but it's got a little bit of a slash to a potential defensive end. The other thing is, you know, those those two inside tackles or ends or whoever you want to call those kids, I think, have have grown and developed and got better and we, we have enough of them that we can flow through there and rotate them in. This week's probably be a little different. This week we're gonna have to play with more you know three uh Joe Schober is a true outside backer and Vinny is a outside backer and you know three of those defensive linemen in there much more this week assuming we can get Zags back and have him ready to go.
0: And Anderson was asked in year two of his time at Wisconsin if he's embraced the Badgers Big Ten rivalries against Iowa and Minnesota.
3: They're fun uh, without question. I, I was fortunate enough to be able to grow, uh, grow up around a rivalry as a little kid and it was a big one and then I was fortunate to be able to play in that same rivalry and then we were fortunate enough at Utah State to kind of to recreate a rivalry within the Utah State and BYU game as it continued to move forward. So, used to them, I know how much they mean and how important they are and they're no different. I think there's there are different levels of rivalries. You know, some of them I, I've been to and I'm like, well, that's not like the rivalry I grew up in. These are. That's special. The Nebraska rivalry, I believe, will grow. You know, is it like these next two we're going to play right now? No, but it's brand new. And I think that one will continue to, to move down the lines. But there, there's rivalry games and then there's trophy games and I would say, you know, right now, one of our three is a trophy game and the other two a Games And one of them is this week, and we're very excited about it. I know the kids on their side will be, our kids on our side will be. It's great for the fans, and it's just, it has a little extra edge to it. But I think it's important in rivalries that there's uh, there's respect, too, on both sides by the players and by the coaches and how we represent ourselves, because you know your rivals better than you know many of the other teams within the conference. And um, that's something I've always believed in. We have a great deal of respect for Iowa, just as we do for Minnesota, and we're, we're excited to play these rivalry games. And they're two very good programs, obviously, fighting for championship Championship just like we are.
1: On second down and goal, and Rudock again will good. He's gonna tuck it. Rudock for the end zone. Touchdown. Hawkeyes. Six yard run and score for Rudock. He's thrown two and now runs for one as well. Hawkeyes taking over. Led 9 7 at halftime. It's now a 23 7 Hawkeye lead. Early stages in the fourth quarter. How many things have you touched today? Hmm?
3: Ooh, a puppy.
1: <laughs> How many places have your hands been?
3: Ooh, a keyboard.
1: Twenty-four hour hand sanitizer production just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day, stays on, up to ten washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything.
3: Ooh, a toilet.
1: Prefins keep your hands germ-free
0: all day. <laughs> Time now for our weekly reporter's notebook show. This week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks back at the Illinois game, previews Wisconsin, and reports on the Big Ten. Scott will take a quick look back at Iowa's much needed victory at Illinois. It was a game that was close really into the second half but then blown wide open by the Hawkeyes. Another complete game in a season of complete inconsistency and never really know which version of Iowa is going to show up.
4: Yeah, this was one of those games where Iowa should have won instead of 30-14. to 14, It should have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 50-14. to 14. Uh, They left a lot of points on the field, especially early on. You know, they gambled and lost at fourth and goal at the one. Uh, they had fumbled snaps. Uh, they Three times they, they timed out on downs, uh, but they were still able to get the win and win decisively. They outplayed Illinois in all factions of the game uh, outgained them by more than two to one, and had almost 600 yards of offense. It was, I think, the fourth most under the under the inference era. Uh, They're able to run the ball effectively for 300 yards. They passed it just fine. So you know, statistically, it looked good. It was just you know those quirky little mistakes that where they left points out on the field. If you do that against a good team or even a, a modest team, you're probably going to lose. But in this case, maybe what it does is it inspires them a little bit more. I mean, they were still able to. Win decisively, and yet they didn't play their best. They didn't finish the way they wanted to finish. So I, it probably gives them a little bit more hope and more confidence that if they just finish these drives, that they can do it. And yet when they go up against uh, a team like uh, Wisconsin this week, they know they have to finish drives, or otherwise uh, they'll, they'll pay for it dearly.
0: Well, for the Hawkeyes, you take the win in Champaign, you keep your Big Ten West Division hopes alive to stay relevant in the Big Ten West. This game. Saturday against Wisconsin it's another must win for the Hawkeyes and really for Wisconsin too for that matter the Hawks are 7-3 4-2 in the conference Wisconsin's 8-2 5-1 in the Big Ten they're ranked 14th in the AP 15th in the coaches polls frankly when you look at Wisconsin on paper it's hard to figure out why it's not undefeated
4: Absolutely. I mean, the two losses that they came—they uh, lost. I guess uh, one, the first game, they totally dominated LSU. I mean, into the third quarter, it was twenty-four to seven. But then the injuries started popping up. Uh, Melvin Gordon didn't play except for one run in the in the second half and had a hit pointer. You had quarterback Joel Save didn't play. You had a couple of their linemen who were knocked out early on defense, and they just they couldn't do anything. I mean, Tanner McAvoy—I think he completed one pass in the second half. Against LSU and it just caught them. I mean, it was it was a shocking turn of events to have them lose 28 to 24, and then against uh, Northwestern, you know, Gordon and the boys ran for almost 300 yards, yet four interceptions really cost them, and, and they lost to Northwestern. And when you look at it, how inexplicable if you if you start to compare scores, Iowa blows out Northwestern 48 to seven at home, yet Wisconsin loses to Northwestern 20 to 14. That should indicate that Iowa, you know. Know, is, is at least the equal of Wisconsin if not the better team however uh the odds makers don't make it that way and and the eye test for the rest of the season doesn't certainly doesn't put it in that ballpark so but to your point Wisconsin's a very good team that's had two slip-ups you know even if they could have survived one of them and I think especially the opener against LSU I think they would be in position to possibly claim a, a playoff spot if they were able to win out but right now they've got a really good chance of not only winning the west but winning the big 10 as a whole and getting
0: themselves into a nice bowl game. This uh, Iowa-Wisconsin rivalry is the closest, most competitive in the Big Ten, and I think the term used in Tuesday's press conference with Kirk was respectful. Not a lot of trash-talking here. a lot of respect uh, held for the other team by each team. In the eight games they've played for the Heartland Trophy, which is at stake again this Saturday, they've each won four games. The Badgers currently have that trophy based on last year's win in Kinnick Stadium. So let's now switch and look at the matchups: Iowa's defense versus Wisconsin's offense, and really, truthfully, both offensively and defensively for Wisconsin. When you start going down the statistics and and looking at what they've done this season, it, it just almost turns into blah blah blah. They're so good on on almost everything they do. But like the overall team, Iowa's defense has been up and down this year. They've shown a vulnerability to the run. They've often shown weakness on the edge. Those are both things that the Badgers excel at.
4: Yeah, that's something that they've done a really good job of, not only this year but. Over overall across the board. I remember two years ago, I believe they ran for almost 600 yards against Nebraska in the Big Ten Championship game where they were using Melvin Gordon to run kind of those jet sweeps that Jonathan Parker runs for Iowa, and I think he ran for somewhere in the neighborhood of like 207 yards on nine or ten carries. It was just incredible. If He runs the same type of play, and I'm not sure Iowa knows how to stop it either. That said, Iowa did a good job last week against Illinois on the perimeter plays. They had their corners come up and hit, and they were both of Effective, but especially Greg Maven. I thought he did an excellent job in, in defending the perimeter. A lot of it was rallying to the ball, hats on the ball, and doing the things that they certainly didn't do against Minnesota. And I think it, that paid off for Iowa against Illinois. Now this is a completely different team. Let's not pretend that they're in the same. They're in the same division, but that doesn't mean they're in the same ballpark here. I mean, Wisconsin runs the football with a, you know, a ferocity that very few teams do. They are very physical. They're huge up front. They've got two running backs that are as good as any two running backs in the country, and Melvin Gordon is the best player in the country in my opinion. He's going to be gunning for 2,000 yards on Saturday. I mean, that's kind of an interesting statistic that somebody like that can do that at your home. Well, However, Iowa last year was very good against him. Held him to 60-some-odd yards at Kinnick Stadium. Really stopped him in his tracks most of the time until late in the game. So this is going to be a game where Iowa understands what it's up against. There's no tricking Iowa into thinking, wow, what happened here? Why did we know about this? I mean, you know what you're going to get Yet. The question is, can you stop it? Can you slow it down? He's going to get his yards. Gordon's too good for that. And same thing with Corey Clement, but what, what Iowa needs to do is make him earn those yards. Make him okay, you're going to get five or six yards here and there, but don't let it turn into 20, 30, 40, 50, and, and that's what Nebraska did last week when they actually played as bad or worse run defense as Iowa did against Minnesota.
0: Well, in Big Ten games only, if you're looking for positive stats for Iowa's defense, the Hawkeyes do lead the conference in pass defense, but and they also have 10 interceptions but that stat is somewhat misleading because the teams Iowa's played this year have not only had top rushers in the country, but they've been very good at rushing the ball against Iowa's defense. Now, the Badgers, I know you and and Mark Morehouse at the Gazette have talked a lot about this this past week. The Badgers' O-line is literally full of behemoths. They have solid quarterback play, and now they're rotating their quarterbacks even within the same series, and, and as we've been talking about, an almost unbelievable rushing game. To just put Gordon's stat out there for people in case they aren't aware of them. He did set that single game all-time record for 408 yards versus Nebraska. He leads the FBS in scoring with 25 touchdowns. He leads the FBS in a rushing average at 8.6 yards per carry. Eight straight games of 100 plus yards. Top 200 yards four times this season. I mean that's that's mind-boggling.
4: <laughs> it certainly is. And it just shows you with the type of back that he is. And, and you can't dismiss the offensive line either. He is and as explosive back with vision as I've seen in the, in the Big Ten, and, I, and obviously the Big Ten's had terrific running backs over the years. And Iowa had one about six years ago in Sean Green, but but this guy's on a different level. I mean, his quickness, his acceleration, and his speed are top shelf. I don't think anybody's better than him in college football. And the only guy that I can see that rivals him across the board is Jamal Charles. And that he's also deceptively strong. I mean, he's not a physical style running back per se, but but he can break tackles, and he's he's a little harder to bring down than people think. And his vision is excellent. He sees the cutbacks so well. He can spot soft spots and things like that that very few running backs can do. And, you know, he, of course, he's a guy that Iowa wanted, that he was locked up by Iowa and uh, said he was 100% committed to Iowa in 2010. But as the wheels started to come off on that season, Melvin Gordon started getting hammered pretty hard by Wisconsin and ended up flipping it. And, uh, you know, this it really is show a split in the, the, the direction of the two programs, it kind of coincides with Melvin Gordon's career. Now, last year, Iowa fans hammered him from the sidelines, were relentless with him, and he couldn't handle it. He'd never dealt with that before, and he admitted it during the summer that how difficult it was for him to listen to that. With the small sidelines, expect the same thing. I wonder if he's mentally tough enough to handle it again. You know he's the focal point for Iowa, and coming into their building, you know that they're going to be built to try to stop him. Can they do it? Well, that's the biggest question of all, because if they can, they'll be in this game. If they can't, they're going to be leaving the the bowl back with the the Badgers once again.
0: Follow up on your point about the Badgers offensive line. They've allowed the fewest sacks in the Big Ten. They've only given up eight sacks all season, although that also might be somewhat misleading because you can't rack up a sack when Melvin Gordon's already 10 or 15 yards downfield. Let's talk about the Wisconsin quarterbacks a little bit and what they've done here in their last four games where they've gone into a legit uh, rotation again, as I said earlier, even within the same series. Wisconsin's pass-off Overall, is 14th in the Big Ten, but they the the combination of what they're doing in the last four games is very interesting. Joel Stave, who most Iowa fans are familiar with, is more of a no matter whether you like or dislike this term, a game manager. He's he's more of a passer, not a runner. He hands off. Tanner McAvoy, who you've talked about, is a true dual threat, but more of an uh, of a very good runner. The two of them together are averaging 58.4% pass completions and 134 yards passing per game in these past. Four four games, but McAvoy's rushed for 214 yards in just 20 attempts. They're putting up an average of 44 points a game and 505 yards a game in total offense with this quarterback combination. Kind of
4: unusual. It is. And it isn't. I mean, here's the reason why that their quarterbacks just aren't very good. <laughs> Comparatively speaking to what they had and what they, you know, certainly with Russell Wilson a few years ago, which Iowa was blessed to have missed in that game. I mean, when you look at the game against Northwestern, this is the reason why they lost. Uh, you, you had Joel Stave throw two interceptions, and you also had uh, Tanner McAvoy throw, you know, another interception. I mean, this was, you know, they just did not do play very well, and you could see that. You know, I mean, there's a reason why McAvoy beat out Stave in the non-conferences because McAvoy just wasn't. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, Stave uh, wasn't very accurate for the most part. Um, you know, now he had statistically a decent season, but he wasn't living up to expectations for uh, for Coach Anderson. So went with McAvoy, and for a while. Seem to work out, but he, they're not getting enough passing out of him. So then they go to Stave. There's one area where Wisconsin is susceptible. It, it is the passing game. They don't have a Jared Aberderis or some of the other players that they had in the past, like a Nick Toon or whomever. But so I mean, this is a you know this is where they are somewhat vulnerable. And one thing we do have to look at when we look at Wisconsin's passing attack is, is the, the schedule. They have, like Iowa, who tends to get hammered for their schedule. I mean, the only opponent. That they faced uh, before last week against Nebraska, that that had been ranked or had it much value at all, was was LSU in the very beginning. And uh, you know they had a nice lead, but they let it slip away. So they've played the same type of schedule as Iowa. However, they've been able to get much better. Joel Stave has come along in recent weeks, especially, and is playing much better. You know, I think he's got five starts now under his belt. But you know, last week he he only threw the ball uh, 11 times with seven completions for 46 yards for that. But he didn't have to do much with it when you got a running back like that. Now what Iowa will do, and I'm sure Nebraska tried to do, is sell out to the run. If they can force the, uh, Wisconsin to pass, they've got a shot. But if, if uh, Melvin Gordon gets loose, or if they allow their defensive backs to get caught peeking in the backfield, then that's when Wisconsin will be at its best in the passing game.
0: Let's uh, switch over now and look at the other side of the ball. Iowa's offense versus Wisconsin's defense. The Hawkeyes have now scored 30 or more points in four Big Ten games. It's the first time they They've done that since 2005. Their pass offense is second in the Big Ten, which probably surprises most people. And you already talked about the kind of offensive output they had against Illinois. Uh, Not only was it fourth in the Ferrance era, they had great play out of their tight ends versus the Illini. And Jake Rudock was looking downfield early and often for a change a lot more often, a lot more of a vertical attack than we've seen earlier in the season by
4: Iowa. They've uh, they've done a much better job, I would say, as of late, probably since their second bye week of attacking teams down the field, throwing, having more deeper routes, uh, more dig routes, more, more posts, more crossing routes, and not as much shallow, short passes that that kind of marked the, the territory for Greg Davis over the last few years. And that, that showed up against, uh, against Illinois, especially early on. They were able to get their tight ends involved. Ray Hamilton got his t- first two touchdowns of his career. Jake Doozy got loose a few times. I mean, they were able to do what they needed to do in their passing game and tight end had been almost neglected for a few weeks there and now have come came back and, and became a force again the passing game you know has not has lacked an explosion at times but i think you know jake rudock you know gets scrutinized very heavily like any other iowa quarterback but, but i think what's underrated with him is his accuracy i think he's a very good he gets the ball where it needs to be most of the time and and uh, last week was no exception i mean he was really doing a good job and then you know on one of his fourth downs the one that I didn't get. You know, he threw out in the flat and, you know, making pl- Pleva just didn't quite get to the first down, Parker, on a fourth and two. So the accuracy part of it was, was pretty good. And then when C.J. Beathard came in, he was three for three, and, and he also played uh, an outstanding game.
0: Mark Weisman continues to break records. You mentioned Rudock's accuracy and the fact that he's really continuing to build up his stats in terms of, of the overall program history. And we're at the point now where Cavante Martin-Manley is just 13 catches Away from becoming Iowa's all-time receptions leader,
4: that's pretty impressive uh, for Devontae Martin Manley. You know, I mean, he had a real breakout game in his freshman year against Pittsburgh. He caught a touchdown that won the game, and what's you know, at least statistically, the greatest comeback in Iowa history. And uh, you know, to get in that territory, you know, it says a lot about him. And you know, he he was mentored in some ways by Marvin McNutt, Daryl Johnson, culiano so now he's entering their territory. They've gotten him involved, and and he's got I think what three uh, three games. Left to try to make his mark here, counting the bowl game. So you know that that would be something I'm sure that they would want to get him. As far as Mark Wiseman goes, you know, physically for that position in the Big Ten, he's somewhat of an anomaly. He's not he's not really a big, he's a big, strong guy, but you know he's not not a quick guy. Certainly, he doesn't have the burst or the speed or, or whatever you're looking for. He's just very durable, and durability is the the greatest part of ability for when it comes to running backs. And, and to to be what three touchdowns shy, I believe of. Uh, setting Derek Shaw and and Tavian Banks, his record, uh, you know, it shows that, you know, he's been able to do what Iowa needs him to do which is, you know, in short yardage situations but with that said, this week against a defense like this, he's going to have to become more than just a short-yardage back who gets, you know, two or three yards a pop. He's going to have to do some damage against the Wisconsin defense, which is very good. I mean very sound and and physical even though they're a 3-4, they're not not a finesse 3-4. They come at you and and up front, they're very tough and hard-nosed. So, I, I expect uh, you know Wiseman to have carry a heavy load, but last year they didn't do very much offensively against Wisconsin, and, and they, I'm sure they went over the tape with a fine-tooth comb to find out what they can do better, and, and run, he needs to run the ball with a little more uh, physicality for them to really sustain drives.
0: Focusing more on Wisconsin's defense, it's kind of short on stars, but yet one of the most complete uh, team defenses in the FBS. It's the leading defense among the top five in scoring, rushing, and passing defenses, and it's the only team in the FBS to rank in the top five in all four of those categories, those four major categories. Outstanding play by their linebackers. They've allowed just 17 touchdowns over 10 games. That's a pretty amazing stat. They're terrific in the red zone. Uh, They're holding opponents to just 62.4% of their scoring averages. 32 sacks, 71 tackles for loss. And here's one that'll get most people. 37.6% of their opponents' drives have ended as three and outs. So how's I Iowa going to try to attack this defense on Saturday?
4: I think they have to do it in exactly the right Iowa way. Go with your tight ends and blow them off the ball. They're a 3-4 defense, which means they don't have as much girth up front as Iowa does. I mean, they're very, they, they do a very good job of, of mixing things up. It's a complicated defense. They they confuse people, and, and they're tough and hard-nosed, but, you know, when you've got an offensive line like that, go get, go get your blocks. And I can see this kind of coming out like uh, Iowa-Ohio State in 2013 where Iowa took to the three tight end set repeatedly and just hammered them at will in the first half and that's the way to do it because when you do have that size advantage and if you've got a guard who's 300 pounds going against to a to linebacker who weighs 240, you win and if uh, and, and one of the things that Wisconsin's been so good at doing is neutralizing, taking up blockers to free up the linebackers in the running game And uh, but see, that's where Iowa needs to, to do something it really hasn't done and that is to run the ball effectively against a good defense. And uh, we have not seen that, you know, as of really yet. Last week was a good step in the right direction, but they're going to have to take advantage of their physicality and their style of, of running the ball. I expect to see three tight end sets. I expect, expect them to go right at them. And if they can do that, they'll sustain drives. And I think that's probably, even though it's a bit nebulous, I do think that may be the most important thing Iowa can do on Saturday.
0: And if you bleed the depth chart, it looks like we're back to Mark Wiseman as uh, number one and Jordan Canzeria as number two. To running backs. Wadley did put the ball on the ground some more down in Champaign, but I think that's probably more a matter of Kanzeri getting healthier and, and able to create that real change-up from the power runner to the little scat back in terms of, of Iowa's offense.
4: Well, they always need that good one-two punch, and Kanzeri has been the guy that they've wanted to get there, but he's been banged up all year long, starting in camp and working his way through the season. So, Jordan Kanzeri last year you know, had the biggest play of the, of the offensive game for Iowa, where he was able to, to run an inside zone for, I believe, was in the neighborhood of 60 yards against him. It was a change of pace situation. So I, I expect him to get a heavy dose of carries. You know, he had a high ankle sprain. He's not perfect. He's even limping a little bit on Saturday, but they, it was good for them to get in. Acker Wadley had a terrific game against Northwestern, and, and it'd be understandable if he'd get more playing time, but you cannot put the ball on the turf. That is one thing that kills this team or kills any team is, is fumbles. And you look at him and Jonathan Parker, and, uh, you know, they've shown their inexperience. In and in some ways, haven't grown in, in crucial spots, and one of which is, you know, Jonathan Barker in the kick game where he's letting the ball bounce in front of him. And I don't, and that's unfathomable to me, you know, that you just don't let that happen. I, I kind of compared him to, to Rick Ankeel in the playoffs when he was a pitcher a few, you know, well, it seems like a long time ago now, you know, getting the yips, you know, and, uh, and I'm like, well, why are you letting that happen? So that to me is, is one thing that they absolutely need to do, and that is make sure that, you know, they, they don't put the ball on the ground. So I, that's why I expect, a healthy Jordan Canzeri will will, see, will run the ball, I would say, north of 10 times.
0: After this break, Scott talks Iowa-Wisconsin special teams, makes his prediction for the big game, and talks Big
1: Ten. Protection, and he throws it high, but it's going to be pulled down to the end zone for a touchdown by Powell. Third touchdown reception this year. What a catch as Powell climbed the ladder, pulled it down, and the Hawkeyes add six more. So C.J. Beathard comes in. And has a terrific drive. Some big plays in the air. Bethard first to Doozy and now the scoring play to Powell.
0: stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Quick look at special teams here before we go to your prediction. Both teams overall have decent special teams. Field position will be key here, especially uh, given Wisconsin's defensive success as well as offensive prowess. But Iowa does have punt problems. Wisconsin has a very good punt returner in Kenzel Doe. Uh, both teams have good place kickers, and both teams have above-average kickoff and kick return games.
4: Yeah, that, that is true. And I think, you know, Iowa, you you wonder, when is the week where they're going to get stung in the punt game? And they did against Minnesota. There's no question. I mean, in Iowa, in the punt-return game, it's non-existent. You might as well just let the ball go. That's kind of the, been their their mentality lately. But Wisconsin doesn't have the best punting game either. I mean, they rank 13th so, in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, maybe it's even worse than Iowa. So I, I think it's, you know, they, they kind of neutralize themselves against each other and that and their futility. And I think it's almost an even matchup in, in the place-kicking part of it. You know, uh, last week, um, oh, gosh, Marshall Kane missed a field goal. and. And uh, you know, but by hitting the upright. But he'd been really good up to then. Wisconsin's hit you know 13 of 16. But I think you know, in some ways Iowa's numbers are skewed a little bit because of their problems early on. In the in the kickoff return game, again, you know, Johnson Parker was had Iowa number one, and now they've slipped to number five based on what they haven't done the last few weeks, especially against uh, Minnesota, but then also a little bit against Illinois. And uh, Wisconsin's now up to number two. So I think a good case for could be made for Marshall King to continue to boot the out of the end zone the way he has most of the season.
0: Okay, time for your prediction. A lot at stake. This is truly a big boy game.
4: This is a game, as you mentioned, of uh, a long-time rivalry or respectful rivalry. The rhetoric's not nearly ramped up the way it usually is with other rivalry games. I like Iowa to keep this close. I think Iowa can slow down Gordon, not get in a position where they're letting him you know, run like a track meet. I just think that there may be too much here for Iowa. I, the defense still will give up some play. I'm not sure that they can make enough plays to, to, to make it, to, to win the game. I like Wisconsin to win 27-21, but I think it's going to be close all the way to the end. And if Iowa can, again, somehow sustain drives, convert on third down, keep the ball away from Melvin Gordon, they've got a chance to, to pull it out at the end. But but it's just too much for me to actually pick Iowa to beat Wisconsin.
0: Closing out here with some Big Ten talk. Big Ten now has nine bowl-eligible teams, and Michigan's only one win away. This is a league that probably has the best crop overall of uh, terrific and prolific running backs. Ohio State's probably the only conference team left now with a shot at the 14 playoffs. They're up to sixth in the most recent rankings. But most of the attention and focus this weekend will be in the West again, where the four contenders, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota, play each other. And there's uh, multiple scenarios for who can win the West.
4: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting little uh, mathematical uh, equation here, but uh, let's start with the easy ones, and that is Wisconsin. Wisconsin wins, and Minnesota loses this week, they win the division outright. If not, they beat Minnesota, they win the division. Minnesota is next in line, which is if they win twice, they win the division, because they would beat Nebraska and Wisconsin head-to-head. Iowa has the third best scenario, which is win twice and have Minnesota lose once. is in the one that, that of all the teams, that they're in the, the toughest spot. They not only have to win twice, which is Minnesota at home and at Iowa, but then also uh, they have to hope Wisconsin loses twice. And that that's a tall task, I would say, right now for the, for the Cornhuskers. So Wisconsin obviously is the favorite. But I wouldn't sleep on either Iowa or Minnesota because I think uh, both these physical style of teams are not anything Wisconsin's faced very much this year, not since LSU. Physical uh, across the line of scrimmage, physical running games. that uh, I think both could keep it close. And if one of them breaks through, I wouldn't surprise me if they break through against the Cornhuskers either. So I would say the odds on the favorite are Wisconsin to go to Indianapolis and face Ohio State in a a really a titanic clash. But I wouldn't completely rule out either Iowa or Minnesota somehow breaking through. So you're telling me there's a chance.
1: Yeah! This one is over. Kirk Ferentz and Tim Beckman shake hands, and the 70th all-time meeting between these two programs is an Iowa win, 30 to 14, as Kirk Ferentz picks up another Big Ten win. That's number 68 for Ferentz. Jake Rudock was terrific today. Yes, a couple of drop snaps, but threw the ball very effectively, made some smart decisions with his legs to run. The Hawkeyes now 7 and 3, 4 and 2 in conference play.
0: Thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, thanks to Scott Doctorman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast and that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices.
1: Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast.
2: Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
0: This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.